My, wasn't that uh, wasn't that good? Thanks to uh, those who played special music on instruments, and those, and for the kids who sang, and the praise team who did such a great job of putting all this together. Uh, God bless you all. We enjoyed it very much, and I know that your uh, your singing and your playing was for the glory of the Lord, and that's what makes it even more special. I'd like to, before I get started, I'd like to say uh, a very happy anniversary to my wife, 51 years today. So, very happy about that. That's good to see you all here. I trust you all had a wonderful Christmas day uh, with family or friends and uh, or Christmas Eve, and we're we're thankful that you're here this morning. Turn with me to Matthew uh, once again this morning. Last week we we were in Matthew uh, chapter 1. And this morning we're going to continue from there. Last week we looked at the preternatural conception of Christ how that his birth goes beyond normal human processes, differing from the natural. And the reason for that is because he was virgin born. We talked about the virgin birth and its necessity to salvation. We looked at some of the objections. We looked at the mythological Subject, objections that it's just a it's birth a virgin birth was just a myth. Uh, we looked at the biological objections that uh, that he did not have a human father, impossibility, and so on. We looked at the scriptural objections that is that uh, some say that because Joseph is called his father in some passages, uh, then that means he could not have been a virgin born; that he was indeed the offspring of Joseph. Those those arguments fall apart in light of Scripture and in light of the power of God to enact the birth of His Son in the virgin's womb and so working the miracle of life, the seed coming from God the Father Himself. And so the virgin birth is essential. It's an essential foundational doctrine of our faith. For Christ, without it, Christ would not be sinless. He would be just like you and me. He would not be capable of dying for any sinners, much less himself. And so it's very, very important, the virgin birth. We looked at the genealogy very briefly uh, in that and we come to came to the gesture that was found in verses 18 and the guarantee and the gestation of the child in Mary's womb. And now we come to verses 18 and 19. And we find in these verses a predicament that takes place. <clears throat> Notice verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother, his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, 
before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. The birth of Jesus became quite a predicament for this young couple who were betrothed. And we talked some time back about the marriage ceremony in Galilee and uh, all that took place in it. You you must recall uh, some of that, that... That even though Joseph and Mary were betrothed at this time, we we think of a betrothal as something that takes place before marriage, and uh, the Mary is they're not actually persons not actually married yet. But in the Jewish culture and in the Galilean culture of of marriage, the betrothal was a legal binding of two people together. As husband and wife, the only thing that was left to complete that over the, from the time that the bride and the groom made their legal contract to one another, uh, with the, with the fathers and the elders at the gate, there was a year that passed by in which the, the bride and groom did not see one another. <clears throat> and so the only thing left then, To complete this was to have the wedding feast and the physical consummation. And so we find several things that took place in in these verses that caused this great predicament. Notice it says in verse 18, she was found... To be with child. That is a predicament, is it not? Sometime in the interim between the time of their betrothal and the wedding ceremony itself, Mary was found to be with child. She was discovered to be pregnant. This pregnancy, as all pregnancies are, happen cannot be concealed forever. Sooner or later, it would be found out. It's interesting that to note that Zacharias, Elizabeth's husband, knew about Mary's condition because Mary had gone to stay with them at their home for the space of about three months during the time she was expecting. So Zacharias certainly would have known. In fact, Luke chapter 1, verse 39 says, In those days Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And Mary remained there for about three months. So this is early on in the pregnancy. She is with Elizabeth and Zechariah. But there's also a divine revelation that took place when this, when she departed and went to be with them. Mentioned in Luke chapter 1, <clears throat> verse 41, when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, 
The baby leaped in her womb. That is her baby. John the Baptist leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. So Zechariah and Elizabeth certainly knew and Mary certainly knew, but word must have gotten out that Mary was pregnant And Joseph must have found out about it from some others that had seen her condition because he had had no contact with her. In fact, the word found in the text, she was found to be with child. That word, hurisco in the original Greek, means to find out by inquiry. It means to discover By experience, some thought or exclamation or observation that has taken place. So, in other words, there were other people that were seeing Mary and they were noticing her condition and it got back to Joseph. Can you imagine? Mary didn't tell him. So how was he to believe, how was he to believe her story? Unless he had some kind of confirmation of it that would be supernatural. Which he got later. But right now he's dealing with a situation, a predicament that he didn't know anything about previous. There's a great practical lesson, however, for us in this. And that lesson is to be de- Gleaned from this discovery, it is not an inevitable discovery of sin in the life of Mary, for she had not sinned. The lesson is that when Jesus Christ comes into a person's life, it shows. It began to show on Mary that she was with child. And that child was the Lord from heaven. And when Christ enters into the life of an individual, into someone who truly believes and is born again, it will show. It cannot be hidden. Someone has said those in whom Christ is formed will show it and it will be found to be a work of God. So if a person is truly saved then their life is going to show it. We all know that from a very familiar verse to us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, therefore if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has come, or the old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. That word behold is a perfect tense verb. It means that That which has happened, happens once, and it never needs to happen again. It carries on. Does not need to be repeated. So the evidence of God's work in Mary's life became greater and greater in evidence. And so it is in the lives of people who claim to be in Christ. 
Would you not, if, if someone came to you and, and said, some woman came to you and said, I'm pregnant and you, you were glad and you, you congratulate them and weeks and months go by and they continue to say that they're pregnant but you're seeing no evidence of it and months go by. No evidence. But they still claim that they're pregnant. Wouldn't that be strange? Wouldn't you begin to wonder if this person is really telling the truth or not? So it is in the spiritual life. When one knows Christ and life changes, there is evidence of it. You can see the evidence of it in the life. And if a person claims to know Christ, claims to be saved, but there's week after week and month after month, even year after year, there's no evidence of that then would not you begin to wonder if there was any salvation at all? Great predicament. The discovery that was made. Then, verse 18, we also see that there was some distress here. It says, before they came together. Before they came together, she was with child. Joseph is now facing the greatest predicament of his life and the distress he faced must have been great. There are several ingredients that would come to bear in this. If you can imagine Joseph's place, first there would have been disillusionment Mary's behavior had always been pure and holy. And now to learn that she had been unfaithful would have caused considerable disillusionment in Joseph's mind. It would have hurt him greatly to be forced to conclude that Mary was an immoral woman. Proverbs 12 verse 4, an excellent wife is a crown of her husband, but she who causes shame is like rottenness in his bones. When sin and wrongdoing is discovered in someone's life, whom one thought to be pure and holy, it can bring a real sense of disillusionment that happens all too often. Second, there would have been disappointment. He would have been greatly disappointed in Mary's to find that Mary was pregnant and he had not been in contact with her. All of his anticipated joys uh, uh, and hopes of having her at his, as his wife would have been shattered in his mind. His heart would have been unquestionably broken. Proverbs 13 verse 12 says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. He would have lost hope. He would have been terribly, terribly disappointed. But he would all, there was also disloyalty here. He would have felt the sense of disloyalty from Mary in hearing this news. The very fact of her being with child would have been a, to him a great betrayal of the trust that he had placed in her. Her agreement to the espousal, her Stated love for Joseph and the indicated desire to be his wife would now mean nothing 
In his mind, she had been disloyal. And finally, there would have been a discrediting to not only her, but to Joseph as well. He would have experienced more distress because this would have brought reproach upon him as well. Ugly rumors, idle talk would have impugned his character as well as hers. He would be the obvious suspect in the deed. And his reputation would have been smeared. But there's another note in this saga, if you can call it that. And that is that there was a divine purpose in, of God in keeping Joseph in the dark as to Mary's condition. It was God's way of testing Joseph's faith and revealing his character, which we see in verse 19. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. It shows This shows two things. First, it shows his devotion to the Lord. And second, it shows his devotion to Mary. He was a just man, a righteous man. There's, there's his devotion to the Lord. His devotion to God is implied in that statement. Now this stands out about Joseph. As to his moral standards and his life of purity. Why did he react the way he did? His reaction is one of great restraint. Because he was a person of high moral standards, he lived a life of purity. He lived a righteous life. He wasn't perfect. No one is. But he had high moral standards. And he knew, because of his high moral standards, that he should not go through with this marriage. Mary was with child and he knew he was not the father. And so he had assumed, he had to assume quite naturally that Mary had been unfaithful to him with another man. It would have been a blemish on his character to go ahead and take her. Much like Hosea who took a harlot as his wife. But his only option, Joseph's only option in his mind was to divorce her. To have a writing of divorcement made because of her seeming unfaithfulness. <clears throat> the wise believer who is single will only marry a person with the highest godly and spiritual character. Many times one's character is revealed by who they marry. Many will only 
consider dealing with sin if it doesn't interrupt their lifestyle or offend their friends. Even though Joseph had this great love for Mary, he could not compromise his purity or his devotion to God. You young people that are here, I want to remind you of one thing. Anyone that you date, and I almost don't like that word, date, but I'll use it for sake of what I'm going to say. Anyone that you date is a potential marriage partner. You better be careful who you get into relationship with. I like the word courtship better. Because courtship is so different from dating. Dating has no commitment in it. Courtship has commitment written in it. Courtship has desire for the right written in it. Courtships can be stopped. So seek to court you young men. Seek to court young women. Don't just date. Very important. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers for what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness or what fellowship has light with darkness. There's your, there's your standard. In fact, the apostle, the apostle compares marrying an unbeliever with righteousness versus lawlessness and Light versus darkness. That should place a great amount of of seriousness upon such union. Joseph put his character and his, his purity before God and his devotion to God first in this relationship. And that would have shown to people. The story of Gordon Maxwell, who was a missionary to India, was asked by, he asked a Hindu scholar to teach him the language of, uh, of India. And the Hindu replied, no, Sahib, I will not teach you my language, for you would make me a Christian. Maxwell replied, no, you misunderstand. I am simply asking you to teach me your language. Again, the Hindu replied, no, I will not teach you. No man can live with you and not become a Christian. Isn't that the way we all ought to be? Where people look at our lives and see something different. This is the way Joseph lived. His reputation preceded him. His lifestyle attracted people to his God. He was a just and righteous man. And his devotion was to the Lord first. Second, this verse applies and shows that he had devotion to Mary as well. Notice it says he was unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. He did not want to shame her. Because of his 
righteous love and kindness, he could not bear the the thought of shaming Mary publicly. This was a common practice. When a woman was found to be with child, during a betrothal, before the couple came together for the wedding and the feast and the consummation, when she was found to be with child, she was be publicly disgraced. It would be announced to everyone that she knew that she had disgraced herself and her potential, her husband. The law demanded it. In fact, the law demanded death for such deeds. Deuteronomy chapter 22. If there is a betrothed virgin and a man meets her in the city and lies with her, then you shall bring them both out to the gate of the city and you shall stone them to death with stones. Pretty serious. Pretty serious predicament. It's clear that Joseph thought more of Mary than he did himself. There's no hint or evidence that he ever harbored any hatred or bitterness or resentment in his heart toward her. No evidence of that. In fact, the evidence is to the contrary. He could have shamed her publicly. He could have had her disgraced where no one would have ever wanted to be around her. Certainly no man would have pursued her. But he didn't do that. And that's exactly how believers are to live today. Listen, we're all prone, we're all prone to bitterness and anger and retaliation when we're hurt by other people. Nobody is exempt. But we cannot and we must not allow unforgiveness or bitterness to enter into us because what that will do is not it will not only sour us it will sour people around us as well we are to think more highly of others than we think of ourselves even when bad things are the outcome romans chapter 12 For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Philippians 2, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but with humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to your own interest, but also to the interests of others. I read a story of a man by the name of Derek Willems, a German man who was an Anabaptist in the 15th, 16th century. The Anabaptists were sought after and persecuted. And Derek Willems was running for his life and he fled in the wintertime across a frozen lake from his pursuers who were close on his heels. His pursuers broke through the ice. 
and fell into the icy waters. And Willems gave up his chance to escape by turning back and helping to rescue his persecutors from the icy waters. They then arrested him. They imprisoned him. And they burned him at the stake in 1569. What we really see in Joseph's life here, folks, is pity. We see pity. He went back on the ice to the broken ice and he sought to help Mary out of the frigid waters. And that's what forgiveness does. Holy pity, sorrow, and compassion for others, even when they have sinned, is the example that our Lord has given to us. John chapter 8, there was a woman who was caught in adultery. and They brought brought her to Jesus. And they said, the law of Moses requires that she be stoned. They wanted to trip him up. They wanted to see what he would say. He he knelt down, wrote with his finger on the dust. What do you say? The, The law says she must be stoned. He stood up. He said, okay, then stone her. The first person of you, any one of you that has never sinned, You be the first to cast the stone. He knelt back down and started writing in the the dust again. They started to leave one by one, beginning with the oldest. Until finally there was no more people there except just he and the woman. He said to her, where are your persecutors? She said, there aren't any. He said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Jesus never broadcasted her sin to anyone. He dealt quietly with it. So Joseph would deal quietly. He would quietly divorce Mary. So that it did not get out. That into the public that. What she uh, what she had done. Matter of fact, the word, the word, uh, put her away means to free her, to, to release her, set her, let her go. He would release her. Sin, sin sometimes, folks, is a private matter. And if it's not public, it doesn't need to be made public. Just deal with it privately. Let the Lord deal with the person. Love is patient and kind. It does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. That is, it keeps no record of past wrongs. There are those that would seem to have... Certain eagerness to broadcast the sins of those around them, whether true or hearsay. 
This is not the way of our Lord. It's not the way that Christ operates in his love. So Joseph shows great pity to Mary and great purity before the Lord. He confronted the greatest predicament of his life. And as we will yet see in the future text, he trusted God for all that life would bring. The greatest predicament that he had brought forth the perfect person into the world. Jesus Christ, the very Lord of life himself. The message for Christmas for us is that we are able not only to be forgiven ourselves, but we are able by the Spirit's power to forgive those who offend us. Think of how much you and I have offended God and how much He has forgiven us. We must do the same because it's the way that our God does for us. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this Lord's Day. We thank you for the blessings of Christmas. Thank you today for the children who sang and and the instruments and um, <clears throat> the worship that we have been brought here to give to you. And we pray, Lord, that you would be pleased, that you would that it would be our worship to you today would be a sweet aroma in your nostrils. We ask, Lord, that you would help us to pattern our lives after these godly people. Joseph, who loved you and Mary, and eventually found that he could indeed take her as his wife. And yet he sought to do the right thing even when he had not or did not know what had truly happened. We pray, that, Lord, that you would work that kind of work in us. Quick to forgive, slow to speak, ready to listen and see and behold the work that you are doing in the lives of your people. This we pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.